yesterday afternoon we did two rock and rolls. So we had press night on Tuesday and then one on Wednesday and then we did two yesterday. It was our first matinee day. You came to the matinee, which is amazing. Fabulous. And then, so in the evening, and it's like, we just got to find that sort of post-press night rhythm. And, you know, it's such a fantastic company. And it, yeah, I mean, it's just glorious. So we're, we're coming towards the end of the second show. I'm about to light up my second cigarette. And they're herbal cigarettes. Uh, what are they called? Honey Rose. And, and I think the, the chocolate flavoured. But, you know, we some people don't like the other other herbal cigarettes are available. <laughs> anyway, this guy, I'm about to light it. Never happened to me before. This guy goes, don't light another cigarette. From the audience. From the Gosh. auditorium. Don't like it. This theatre is full of smoke and it stinks. <laughs> <coughs> and I was like, I have, what? What? I, anyway, so all I did was I was so shocked. And because the audience are on two sides, and I'm at this point slightly favouring one side. So I sort of turn rather ostentatiously and inexpensively to the to the audience behind me and sort of widen my eyes somewhat and then rather ostentatiously put the lighter away and then rather ostentatiously pretend to smoke <laughs> the unlit fag. But then what was genius, and not, not me genius, but stop our genius and just the serendipity of the moment, was that my next line, when when uh, Jan comes back, is uh, Jacob Fortune Lloyd, brilliant. Uh, uh, my next line is, I came out to have a cigarette, but then remembered I don't smoke. And then, <laughs> but of course the audience didn't know that that was the actual line, so they were hysterical. <laughs> But we managed to keep it light because I think the danger of anything like that is that everybody just feels awkward. Yeah. But it was sort of mad. I've never known anything like it. I mean, I suspect, I don't know, didn't get to see him. I think the front of house chap spoke to him. I suspect maybe or not might, you know, in his brain might not be entirely working maybe. Or he's just really militant about smoke. In theatres, but there is a sign outside saying there will be smoke. It's, be. it's one of the most amazing examples of live theatre. Yeah, it was. You never know what yeah, might yeah, happen. Yeah, absolutely. And a perfect way to start this episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic with me, the critic, Sarah Crompton. And with me, the actress, Nancy Carroll. And Nancy is talking about rock and roll by Tom <laughs> Stoffard at, at Hampstead Theatre, which I was lucky enough to see yesterday afternoon and which is utterly brilliant and I don't just say that because you are my friend um, it is actually it's wonderful to see it as a play again I saw it at the Royal Court when it opened in 2005 yeah and it was a big night I remember it being a big night and everybody being really excited about it and it had got a brilliant cast because it was yeah, Rufus yeah. Sewell as Jan and Brian, Brian Cox, Cox as Max and Sinead Cusack as, as Esme it, Eleanor yeah in the two parts you yeah. play and um, it is a wonderful play because yeah. it deals with uh, it's I suppose it's a story of um, uh, a checker. Stoppard says it's an alternative version of his life, isn't it? Because it's a story of a boy who grew up in England yeah. and then went back to Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And when the Russians invade, yeah. um, he goes back to feeling he ought to be back in his country. So that's Jan. Yeah. And then there's a, a bit set in Cambridge, which is... Um, your bit. Yeah, it goes back and forth. I mean, originally, I think uh, in the introduction to the play at the beginning of the book, uh, which is the version that they did at the Royal Court and then at the Duke of York's, 
Um, he says that originally Jan's character was called Thomas ah, because okay. it was sort of self-consciously, not autobiographical, but as autobiographical as a, you know, yeah. a theatrical part could be. Yeah, and it, and it's brilliant. I mean, it is a wonderful play because, like all Stoppard, it um, fills so many things and and examines so many things. So it's about the tug of home and what yeah. home is, and you know, is Jan English because he had a happy two years being an English schoolboy, or is he Czech? Yeah, um, it's about politics about communism being an imperfect system it's about freedom and what gives people freedom whether it's economic freedom um but above all and I don't know whether this is just because um we see Stoppard through a slightly different lens in 2023 than we did in 2005 it does feel as if it's a play about love as well and it's got this and you play two characters who are immensely sort of moving in their capacity to love and to be loved. And Thank you. I think it's, well, I think that, well, I think I said in a previous pod that, that that's what Tom feels retrospectively that he has written a love story. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and it does feel like that. It's about life and death, really. Yeah. But it's interesting what you hear. You know, because there's certain there are certain scenes that I sit in the wings and listen to because I just want to be in and amongst it. And there, there's a particular line that I've heard for the first time in the last few nights, which is when Jan says um, to Max, who's a sort of he's an English academic, but he's a renowned communist, and he ends up getting entangled with the communist government at various points, and then it all sort of comes out at the end. When, uh, when Prague and Czechoslovakia are sort of free again by 1990. And uh, he sort of says, you know, I, I can't remember the exact words, but, he's, you know, you say all these things, but when were you ever arrested for saying it? Yeah. And that's the difference, isn't it? You know, you can be free to feel these things militantly, but in this country you're less than 0 point something percent of the electorate you know, and it doesn't matter how militant, how passionate, whatever you are, but you're not under threat for saying it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the difference, that, that we have no concept of what that is, you know, and that people changing the rules, making the rules, enforcing the rules, policing those rules on a daily basis. And and so freedom has a different definition. Totally. And, and of course, the other, you know, as is hinted uh, the in the title, it's about music yeah. and about... Um, the role of music in terms of freedom, in terms of personal freedom. Jan's involvement with the politics of Czechoslovakia comes not from a kind of intellectual belief in freedom, yeah. but because of his involvement with a pop band who did yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah. Plastic, plastic people of the universe. Yeah. And 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 also the other theme that runs through is Sid Barrett, who obviously also did exist. Yeah, yeah. And what happened to him and this kind of, um, yeah, pan figure that music had the capacity to change people in ways that go beyond reason or words yeah yeah um and i i i think it's and also what struck me it's true you hear things differently so what struck me we've talked a lot about revivals and what happens in revivals and one of the things that really struck me seeing this play for the second time after a big gap yeah. was how the person you are seeing a play and seeing a revival of a play yeah. affects your reaction to it. So to me, when I first saw that play, um, the story of 
um, someone with breast cancer didn't mean very much. Whereas now, yeah. you know, you say, I sat there thinking how extraordinary it is that Stoppard writes those lines yeah. for a, a female character yeah. and um, somehow divines exactly what you feel when you're being sort of mutilated in yeah, that way yeah. and also uses it then to make up a kind of huge point yeah. about consciousness and the mind and where people really, really exist. Yeah, yeah. And partly because you were wonderful in the scene, it, it it is in the most extraordinary scene, and I don't I don't remember noticing it when I saw the play for the first time. You know, yeah. it's a very odd thing. But this is I, I mean, this is a bigger thing. This is a bigger topic. But the thing that I have been thinking about in the last week or so is the word revival, because we don't use it for Shakespeare or Oscar Wilde. It's just an Oscar Wilde play, yeah. or it's a. Merchant of Venice or A Tempest or A Hamlet or whatever. We don't go, ah, oh, yes, Hamlet is being revived again because, you know, you'd be exhausted. But but it's there's so much about the DNA of the time that has passed, the company that you choose to to play it in that second amalgamation of whatever, the, the thoughts that the writer has had since that last version of it, yeah. if he is indeed still alive, the director you choose, the yeah. theatre it's in, the designer, the costume supervisor, the you know, your take on 80s fashion yeah. from the perspective of 2023. You know, all of that is entirely new. Yeah. It's entirely new. And in fact... Even the words aren't entirely the same because Tom's chopped and changed yeah. and added bits and taken bits away. So what, other than the title and the author, is being revived? Yeah. So I would argue, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't read the reviews, but Joe said some had somebody had used the word remount a couple of times. And that's interesting. Okay, is that is that a choice? Are you using the word remount as opposed to revival? But even, it's the re- that I struggle with because yeah. you sort of, I mean, okay, okay, it's not a big deal, but it, I, I suppose, it makes you think that. Does it? Do, my question is: Does it remove something of the freshness? Yeah. Well, to the eye, to the you know the the subconscious eye. Yeah. Well, it's really really interesting because, while obviously I couldn't review your. No. Uh, magnificent moving extraordinary luminous performance thank you um Which or not indeed a review, not a review. <laughs> or indeed the production you're in because we're far <laughs> too close and there are lines that have to be drawn so on the same night that you were um opening rock and roll yeah i was at the almeida theater watching <gasps> a new play called cold war yeah uh, by Connor McPherson, which is based on the Oscar-nominated black and white film by Pavel Pavelkowski. Right. Um, which is, weirdly, about very similar themes to do with communism and freedom and choices and how growing up under communism... Yeah. Um, affects people's lives and how it sort of distorts what they become and who they are. Yeah, yeah. And I thought how interesting it is that plays sort of find their moments. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. So Cold War is about a, a couple who meet 
while a researcher is finding Polish folk songs. And the Polish folk songs are going to be used to glorify the new Soviet regime after the, the Second World War, when Poland has been annexed into wow. the Soviet okay. Union. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got the traditional folk songs and then they become songs for Stalin, essentially. Amazing. Um, and it's got... A composer who meets a singer and they fall in love, but they're very different backgrounds and they make very different choices. So right. they've made different choices. McPherson has actually made it more explicit to choices that they make during the war about how they've lived. Um, but the, the key thing is that the composer defects yeah. and the girl tries to come with him and doesn't and then comes later and they it's it's in a way an absolute sort of rock bottom it's they can't live without each other they can't oh. live together but it's also colored by what's going on in the world and by different attitudes to communism and communism's development because right. it, it's it's moving along the same trajectory of rock and roll yeah you know up to the six it, it ends earlier but it, it's moving up to the sort of 60s and the way that you know heady idealism curdled into something yeah. that is very small but where you've got still people who believe in the party and believe in the greater good yeah and it, it's it's fascinating and then it made me think of a mirror which we also saw oh, at yeah. the almeida but transferring into town as well it now it is amazing which is very exciting yeah, because yeah, yeah. um that's some whole cross play with johnny lee miller and um it's tanya reynolds and it's that again is an examination of what happens to love in a totalitarian state yeah. and also to politics. And so I think that's kind of really fascinating that there's this kind of cluster of things that are uh, plucking at those ideas at yes. this moment. Yeah. And that they are all tied to love yeah. in a way. So it's they're not just plays about politics. No. They really very specifically plays about people. But I love, I mean, I think, you know, talking to Tom Stoppard through rehearsals and, you know, in the run-up to rehearsals and stuff, there are, what he does, and I think, you know, is often, you know, when you have love stories and, you know, Dr. Zhivago, everything, all that sort of stuff, there's something about the purity and strength and... Uh, wordlessness of love or longing or lust or whatever it is in amongst political complexity. Yeah. Um, and we all know what that is. We all know it immediately. Mm. You know, that the, the essence of the emotion is this untouchable fingerprint and yet all the sort of flesh around it is determined by wherever we are historically or politically or... Culturally placed in time, but the actual essence of that story is is timeless and simple. And and you know, Tom writes this beautiful scene, which I when I spoke to him about the play originally, I said, it just makes me cry because you've got all these words, and and the audience know exactly how this one character is feeling, and and the sort of full stop of that journey is just. Explain with one word. Yes, yes, I will go with you. Yes, I will love you. Yeah. If you let me be with you, I will be with you unconditionally. Yes. It's just yeah. yes. Yeah. And I said to him, you know, when I first, when I read that, it made me cry. And he said, me too. Yeah. Because it's where you get to at a certain point in your life, you struggle and 
you you know take decades to work out who you are and and then you take a few more decades to really be that <laughs> you know and and then you get to a point you go oh christ it's it it's it's simpler actually yeah. it's simpler yeah. than i ever imagined and it's just it's just it's about being true and about being kind and about being present yeah and the, and the, the simplicity of his words it, it's the same thing and it is also about yeah it is also about choices and i yeah and he is it love sort of crystallizes choices and i think yeah because i think yeah I, the more i look at stopper the more i do think his plays are all about how you become who you are yeah and the choices that you make to become that yeah and i think that that is a thread that you know, we're seeing backwards through a telescope, in a sense, and I, I really do think that, and 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 it is a crystallization of feeling, and that, and actually, interestingly, rock and roll, which could have been a sort of very dark play, yeah, has a a kind of thread of optimism to it, yeah. Ro um, Cold War, it's quite a funny play at a lot of levels, oh, quite right, like, okay. but with a, a real thread of darkness, a real tug towards despair oh, within gosh. it yeah. um but having said that i mean it, it it and it seems an odd thing to be watching at this time of year but having said that it is absolutely beautifully directed yeah. by rupert gould and designed in a way that gives it a kind of um, suppleness and Ooh. a kind of sense of scenes just unfolding almost like a dream Ooh. And uh, it's got this, I mean, music by Elvis Costello, Ooh. which is, who was there? That was quite exciting. <laughs> On the subject of people shouting across the theatre at the oh, end, yeah. when everybody had stood up um, and we were about to go, there was a man on a long way away from Elvis Costello who went, I saw you in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> and, you thought, and it was quite clear Aww. that... Elvis didn't know what to do with that Aww. remark. And he was incredibly gracious. And I saw them at the end having a chat. The guy said, I'm sorry, I just got so excited at seeing you. Yes. And I sort of felt that he was in my row. And I felt really excited because I, you know, when I was growing up, watched everything that he did. I really yeah. loved him. And so the songs, the songs again, so that's the other link with the rock and roll, that the songs are providing a counterpoint that is something else. Yes, yes. So it's both about true tradition and true history and but also about just that access to feeling and yeah. one of the clever things they do is use the songs in different contexts and new life pushing through and yeah. self-expression and creativity and all of that you know that there's it's interesting that that political regimes often try and sort of place themselves culturally with music and yeah. playwrights and authors and all the stuff but it but ultimately to control the parameters yeah. of that and say, this writer stands for what we stand for, yeah. or this, this composer stands for how, you know, artistically uh, advanced we are. You know, you think of Wagner and Hitler yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And, it, you know, and it, it, they use them as almost like the sort of the ropes around a boxing yeah. ring, you know, that we, this is what we bounce against. This is yeah. where we stand. And anybody that isn't in this boxing ring will be, Burnt and but which is why plastic people are so fascinating and indeed yeah. Barrett because they were sort of uh yeah burned and um, but it but it but it's also I mean it's interesting you know you sort of come full circle but the heckling you know whether it's about smoking or Elvis Costello or whatever 
there's a freedom to do yeah, it. Exactly. I mean, the danger is if you're saying something negative, like get on with it or stop smoking or sort of interrupt other people's experience. Yeah. But ultimately, there is something glorious about being heckled because it's... It, it, because we can. It's a very direct form it's of criticism. A very, yeah, and it's and it's yeah, it's it's live theatre. It's audience participation. And I mean, we had a really lovely one of the actresses uh, who was in the press night audience at the end of it went yes, <laughs> which is just sort of. I mean, it's it's lovely and it's joyous and and you know and and she won't be arrested for no. it. I know, which is no. great. I know. It is brilliant. And they are both really, really brilliant, brilliant productions. Ironically enough, on the day that I was watching Cold War and you were opening Rock and Roll, the National Theatre released under embargo the news, very exciting news, that Indu Rubasingham has been appointed as the new artistic director, taking over in... 2025 yeah so she's got quite a long time for a long time she's i mean it's a historic appointment she's the first woman she's the first person born in sheffield and educated at all she's the first uh woman of color yeah she is just a force i think i mean i have rarely seen such excitement right across the theatrical world that she had been appointed. It had been a bit trailed. Everybody had said that she would probably get it. Oh, really? Okay. And there was a sort of sense of, oh, well, yes, it's Hindu. Yeah. But equally just kind of warmth and excitement and um, a real sense that at a time when British theatre has been having quite a bad time, it had made a decision that is right for the 21st century. It takes you forward. It's not a retrospective choice at all. And I was really, really struck by the fact that the word that everybody uses of her is kind. Yes, that's what I was going to say. The immediate thing is warmth and kindness and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was my impression. Yeah, and and it's fascinating because, um, you know, the, 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 when she left Kiln, which is where she had been working, they they did a sound cloud of words that oh, are right. associated with her and visionary and creative and bold and brave yeah. and Negroni. I thought oh. <laughs> good word <laughs> um, and forgetful. I was it was, it was okay. another word, but all those positives are then kind. And I was thinking, it is you know, it's sixty years as we've said in the other podcast since the National Theatre was founded. The word you would not have used of Olivier was kind and indeed I think as time goes on more and more stories emerge about him being kind of actively not unkind but perhaps because of the fragility of his own ego perhaps not as generous as he might have been and yet it is a really really good thing to have in your skill set for for running a building in the modern age it's it's a really encouraging quality I I mean it's a different thing to to, uh, maybe to let Laurence Olivier slightly off the hook. If you're growing something out of nothing, yes. it's maybe a slightly different energy that's required to taking on a on a something that exists. Well, it's also but, the society that's changed as well. Yes, so yes. he was operating in a different context. Yes, yes. but you know, we'll but, but and you know, and I and I think the same thing is true of Rufus and and Clint yes. and and Kate Varhi, who's who's going to be running it with her. Yeah, they, they all ooze. You know, they just kindness, yeah, and and like they and and you, and they meet your eye, yeah. You know, it's it, I just they're so they're little human things, aren't they? That that put people at their ease and and um, 
But to be that brilliant yeah. and that extraordinary and still, as you say, be present and kind and... He, yeah, is, is, is have it, a sense it, of, yeah. A great life skills. It is a great life skill. And I, I, it is it is going to be exciting because we've got um, Rufus Norris last season. He's having an absolutely amazing run at the yeah. moment. And he has changed the building. I mean, he's really done all the building blocks yeah. of changing um it's not so much that anybody was better or worse you know I, i'm incredibly um uh fond of nicholas heitner and yeah. you know he had a different way of running it and he saved it again you know yeah, at another yeah, time when the national was going very wrong so each director of the national builds on the the, the achievements of their predecessors and i think they have each accomplished great things and certainly in the recent times the times I've most closely lived through yeah of Richard Eyre to to Nick to to Rufus and now to Indu it, you feel that there is a real building of making a national theatre each creating their own vision of what it is and opening it up for the 21st century and that it is in really good hands and yeah, it was yeah. it, it was um, a great announcement and there are lots of other people who would have been you know, good at it, but it feels like she is the right one at the right time. Yeah, and yeah. Um, things will be, you know, I love the way she's back new work. I love what she's done at Kiln. She's tough because she had people standing outside for, I think, her first year still protesting because she'd changed the name from Tricycle. Really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, you used to have from to From the walk. Tricycle to the Kiln? Yeah. What was uh, her reasoning? I don't know um, that story. Well, she felt it was more representative of the place in which it was and that right. uh tricycle had, it was a slightly odd reason that it was called tricycle anyway so right. it had sort of been overtaken right by time and she's she, she she's not a pushover she you yeah. know she stood absolutely firm through that but i love the word kiln yeah no, it's and it's good. sort of baking stuff yeah. and yeah. making stuff and it's a you know I, yeah it's a good word it is remember a good it. word and she's had it she's run it you know brilliantly for 12 years and now yeah gets a bit of a break and then she goes on to the next great thing yeah yeah and father and the assassin was just awesome oh, yeah i mean that was the last thing i think yeah I saw which she directed she for yeah. the olivier stage about yeah. gandhi which is a Gandhi's beast assassin. you know if yeah. you can if you can make the olivier work that's an extraordinary feat in itself isn't with it? a new play yeah yeah and she did that it was absolutely beautiful yeah. so congratulations yeah many congratulations indeed and i think we'll say that's it from yeah. this week's episode and that's goodbye from me nancy carroll the actress and goodbye from me sarah crompton the critic <laughs>